And welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-host Aaron Varola. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Episode 50, coming at you strong. I can't believe we've done it. 50 episodes. Yeah, it's kind of a big one, huh? Yeah, it's a big deal. So, um, really cool. Got some exciting stuff that's new and in the pipeline. So, let's talk a little bit about that before we get started. Yeah, so we now have a Facebook page for the Fanboy Garage. Um, And uh, so far, it's doing pretty well. Uh, it's been a very long time since I've been on Facebook. <laughs> so it's you and me of, both. Yeah, it's kind of a new old experience for me. But, um, but yeah, uh, you know, we want everyone to join in on the conversation there. We're going to try to get some groups started. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, you know, the funny thing is, though, uh, as you and I both know now, Facebook, uh, when you start one of these, like, community pages or business pages, whatever, they bombard you with... Um, uh, promotional opportunities, right? Yeah. So they want you to promote your posts and promote your site and promote whatever. So you probably didn't see this, but I did. Uh, the first day I signed on, they gave me a sample ad, like of what one of our promoted posts could look like. Yeah. And they they cut off the description of the show at the worst possible point. Oh boy! So this is literally what the what the promoted post would have read. Super Geeks, Chris Lasanti and Aaron Varola host this weekly podcast, Unpacking Their Love. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, Facebook, where context yeah. goes to die. Uh, it's so funny. I've, so I've been off of Facebook for like, actually, it's almost, yeah, it was like six years uh, to the nose and a lot's changed. And I'm finding it so overwhelming to be back, yeah. but... Um, needless to say, I'm loving the integration between Instagram and Facebook. It just makes things easier. So it is also encouraging me and I'd say nudging me to keep up to date on our Instagram page because it will automatically translate to, to Facebook. So, um, hope you guys are enjoying all of that. And as Chris mentioned, we've got two groups, uh, that we've started thus far, one for just general stuff. So if there's anything that's brewing on your side, if you want to throw questions in there, please do so. Um, it's just general, you know, pop culture, entertainment news that's happening, fanboy related stuff, whatever you want to do. And then the other one is separate for our wrestling folks. Um, and it is a great way to engage with folks like Davo and Phil, um, who we've had on the show multiple times. So, uh, be sure to uh, check that out and engage in the conversation. Yeah. If you want to join the conversation and unpack your love, just like <laughs> the Fanboy Garage on Facebook. And, of course, if you're not on Facebook, uh, you can find us on the other social medias, as Aaron just said, on Instagram. And, of course, uh, at our home, away from home, Twitter, at yeah. the Fanboy Garage on both of those sites as well. Yeah. And, of course, we'll probably plug all of this again yes <laughs> at the end yeah so if you didn't catch it the first time just listen to the rest of the episode and there you go absolutely all right so i mean um speaking of you know getting some of our listeners onto the show we are going to be bringing nathan odinson back on uh which we're pretty excited uh to do and um hopefully this will be a special treat for you guys yeah so, yeah, so he is uh, also the co-host now of the Super Civil Servants podcast, uh, which I believe, are you up to episode five right now? Yes, that's episode five came out yesterday. Yeah, All so right. well, Nathan, welcome back to the Fanboy Garage. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. No problem. And I, I did listen, uh, <coughs> I started to listen to the your episode five, and there's a, a really a cool debate slash conversation that you guys have about superheroes and killing so everyone go check that out uh if you haven't already check out the super civil servants podcast episode five so we uh we brought you on here for a specific reason originally but before we get into dc universe and the future of streaming and warner and their streaming service the and streaming wars yeah we uh we did want to discuss a little bit about the box office because we've been kind of since it's the summer season we've been talking a lot of box office lately on the show 
Sure. And I figured you might as well mm-hmm. add your perspective to that. So, uh, okay. as most people probably know by now, Dark Phoenix came out and uh, nobody cared. So, <laughs> this movie well, to I say mean, like thirty three million dollars. People, people cared. People just you know? thirty care to catch it on their couch. Yeah, th- <laughs> right. Thirty two point exactly. eight. The official number was like thirty two point eight. Uh, million dollars. It finished in second place. It was the lowest opening weekend for an X Men franchise film by over twenty million dollars. Yeah. Uh, the previous um, lowest total was the Wolverine, which did fifty three million in its opening weekend, and actually went on to do fairly well. It had pretty good legs to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow, I don't feel yeah. like Dark Phoenix is gonna have any kind of legs uh they're saying it might be it might actually fall well under a hundred million dollars domestic did a little bit better overseas did like a hundred and seven million dollars overseas but still uh this is this is poor the very the very first x-men movie back in 2000's entire theatrical run was like 295 million and i don't even know if dark phoenix is going to beat that now in 2019 you know what i mean yeah that's like i don't even know if it's going to go all the way around that yeah, I mean, and yeah. think about the context of that. I mean, you're talking about the international exactly. markets were not what they were at all, and obviously inflation and adjusting and all of that stuff. It's that's well, pretty. Well, you got to think that first X Men movie really paved the way for the you know the Raimi Spider Man and yeah. where we're at now. Yeah. We, owe, we owe a lot to that first movie, and they. I mean, look at how things were different. They even cracked a joke. I remember being a kid and seeing on the commercial they cracked that joke. They put it in a trailer on TV. About he's like, what'd you expect? Yellow spandex, you know, because they were all too cool to wear their actual costumes. I remember seeing that because I loved the '90s animated series, and I heard that, and I knew what they were doing. I mean, I I could still remember that joke in a trailer on TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that movie. um, I think, you know, for something as old as it is, Mm -hmm. I mean, realistically, it's really not that old. But yeah, it's it's pretty old. It it's aged decently. Um, and still holds can hold true to you know some right. of the other uh, comic book movies that we have. I'd say some of the later films not not as much. Um, <coughs> Origins, uh, oh. so bad. <laughs> I, we said the last episode. I'm like, you know, when your video game is better than the movie, that you're in trouble. Yeah. Like X Men Origins video game was phew, off the chain good, um, but uh, it's a shame they wasted what Lee, Lee Schreiber. It's a shame they waste him. I thought he did a good job as the character. He was just in a terrible movie. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a shame that um, this franchise, if you look at it like in two pieces, right? So like the original movies and mm-hmm. then this new wave of movies, they have both have... Uh, one thing in common, and that is they both ended with two terrible movies. Yeah, which is a with shame. the same storyline. You won't write that too. Yeah, that's also ironic. It's, so it, yes. I mean, you know, it's a shame because that is such an iconic um, run in the comics, and you know, you've got the, the I think it's a what Chris Claremont um, version, and they've got a, an updated version, um, and. It seemed, at least from what I was, what I've been reading, because I'm fascinated to learn more about. I didn't see the movie, unfortunately, but I'm fascinated to learn about what what are some of the insiders talking about uh, the missteps that uh, could have one been avoided, and sort of how things unfolded um, with the close of this franchise. So one of the things that they were setting up in Apocalypse was the you know the, the Dark Phoenix saga. Obviously, you know, um, for those of you who relish in the joy of apocalypse there's a quick scene where you know jean absorbs the she talks a little bit about her struggle and her growth and power and all of that other stuff and then she ends up erupting into like a sort of phoenix like you know fire storm thing whatever apparently that version of the phoenix saga was is the earlier version so they were writing that kind of story the the newer refreshed version of the phoenix um, the Phoenix Saga. When we get into this film, they went back to the old stuff. So there's a huge continuity issue. Now, he, here I go with the continuity stuff. But, you know, these X-Men films are known for kind of jumping here and there when it comes to... Yeah, I was going to uh, say, they've how, never had continuity. They, they've they never... put that but, shit out the window a long time ago. I think, yeah, I think the problem, though, um, in this is that 
the, the direction that they went with the Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix saga in this film negates everything that happens, like the third act, actually, in, in Apocalypse, mm-hmm. which is which is troubling because you've got, again, this is meant to be a continuity. There is meant to be some sort of continuity here because of the eight, you know, the, the characters, the, right. the timelines and all of that. Um, suffice it to say, I'm, I'm sure it went over a lot of people's heads, but for those that kind of picked up on it, it, it I'm sure it's a major sticking point uh, for them as they watch the film. Uh, but in general, you know, the critics have been crazy hard on this film. <laughs> crazy hard do, do you guys think that's fair i i mean i haven't seen it yet um so this ties into ron diesel had asked us a question about you know going back to this whole rotten tomatoes thing right so the movie right now is sitting at 23 percent on rotten tomatoes which and he says you know a lot of people say the movie's not awful but it's just not very good either and you know do you think that it's you know it's justified that it's at 23%. So again, we get back to that whole conversation of people not understanding what Rotten Tomatoes is and how it works, right? So mm-hmm. the fact that the movie's sitting at 23% on Rotten Tomatoes does not mean that critics felt that this movie was a 2.3 out of 10, right? right. It means that 23% of the critics who filed a review with Rotten Tomatoes felt that this movie was it considered rotten. Well, I mean, fresh, rather. Right. And everybody else thought it was rotten. So just to, mm-hmm. to put this into perspective, because, again, I, we've talked about this before, but a lot of people still have trouble with it. If 100 critics review a film and every one of those critics give a movie two stars out of four. Right. And they all consider that score rotten. That's going to be a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that critics thought it was zero out of ten. It just means that 100% of the critics that reviewed a movie thought it was considered rotten, but their individual scores say that the movie is average, or maybe slightly below average, whatever you consider two out of four to be. Right. That's so rotten. So, and I, I looked at the reviews, and there were a lot of reviews that were in like the two out of four range, some that were lower. Mm. But, you know, either way, the point is it doesn't really make a difference because not enough critics liked the movie. Right. And people, even the audience score, though, is like 65% or something like that, which is low. Yeah, it's usually you know, really for, a, for a movie that doesn't have yeah. like a wacky protest thing going on about it, um, it seems like that's fairly genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a low score. And, you know, an apocalypse was, was bad, so it wouldn't shock me if... To find out that this movie, and I've heard a lot of people say that it's it's boring, actually, which is probably the most troubling thing you could say um, about a movie, about this epic type of story. Uh, you'd hate for it to just be boring and like, yeah, forget, and it's, forget, it's a movie you could forget about. Yeah, and you're like dragging yourself through it. Yeah, um, yeah it's, you know, it's a shame because, again, as we talked before, it's a... It's a franchise that um, has been with us for close to 20 years, right? It's given us some real gems. Yep. Uh, you know, let's let's go down the list. X2 is great. Uh, Logan is great. Uh, Days of Future Past, I, I enjoy uh, a lot. Um, you know, First Class is a is a classic yep. to me. Um, and when it's struck out, though, it's struck out yeah. hard and then you get your middle ground so like for me like the first x-men the wolverine like those movies are sort of they're they're good they're just not they're not great to me anyway um right. so you do have a little bit of a middle ground there and then you just have your awful right so your last stand x-men origins wolverine and apocalypse at least for, for the movies that i've seen those mm-hmm. are awful uh and maybe i don't know where dark phoenix is going to go fall for me when i do eventually see it um, but yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like the lows have been really low and the, the highs have been really high. So, uh, I, I'm just going to focus on the, the highs <laughs> for me. I, and there's a way you can do that and still enjoy this franchise, which is good at least. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that I read on, on the, uh, Hollywood reporter today was just talking about the placement of this film and, um, you know, one of the things that 
uh, I think was sort of, you know, the, the light was shed on this was that. So initially, Dark Phoenix was supposed to roll out in the February time period. And I think everyone kind of remembers that. And, and actually, it was even pushed further. I think it was like December or November-ish. Uh, got pushed to February. Uh, James Cameron threw a stank because he wanted Alita Battle Angel in that time period because he, you know, I think he needed, he wanted some room away from things like Aquaman and whatever. And he wanted his movie to shine. So they pushed... Uh, um, I almost said Days of Future Past. They pushed uh, Dark Phoenix to the summertime, and it was no way, shape, or form meant to be a summer blockbuster film. And now you've thrown this movie that, you know, for all intents and purposes, was meant to be a sort of darker type film thrown in with the likes of the Avengers and Aladdin and all these other things that are kind of popping off. And... You know, you're hitting a point where I think that, I, don't, I don't think that makes too much of a difference whether it's supposed to be darker or not, and where they put it at. Because we're all adults, we're we're gonna go see what we want to see if it's dark or light or whatever. I don't think that makes a difference. A tone because people go to see whatever the hell they want. Because we've had sleeper hits of horror. It came out like what a couple of years ago and blew people away, and that made more money than anybody ever thought was possible. And that was definitely. I mean, I know it wasn't gory, but it was R, so I wouldn't put it like that. People are gonna go see what they want to see, regardless of how mature what fun it is because the avengers came out or aladdin's around that just sounds yeah. silly to me yeah. yeah but the other thing here about um what what it couldn't shake was the you know the suspicion that it was a dud like off the oh, bat yeah, it, it because, because they weren't because they weren't pring the moving of the dates um very well it you know kind of ran off as like a oh boy this is dead on arrival like what's the point of even watching this and then you throw in the mix of you know the fox disney merger which happened way after this movie was in production um you know it just kind of it kind of tainted the whole image of of this movie i think and uh set a set a tone for folks to just kind of say man i'm done i think we're yeah i think it's over and then, then you you know you couple that with like obviously critics not not really feeling it. It's you know Simon Kin- Kinberg's first uh, you know run at bat as a director, so maybe he has got some rough edges he needs to smooth out in terms they of made his him style. They reshoot the entire third act, and that came out a long time ago. They had to reshoot the entire third act. It was supposed to take place in space, and then from what I hear, because I haven't seen it yet, they put it in a train at the end of the third act. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff going on, but it's in a train. And that was supposed to take place in space, but because Captain Marvel came out and Disney pulled, you know, pulled out their big bad penis and told them, you know, they got to rework that because we're not changing our movie. I, I, see, don't, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's necessarily there's, true. Because... Well, there's been trades that come out and said it was too similar to a Marvel movie. And the only one that people can come up with is Captain Marvel says the shapeshifters and everything else. They've never came out and said Captain Marvel in quotes, mm. like officially, but it's too close to a movie. And from everything I've heard, the way these shape-shifting people are, because I haven't seen it either, but I, I've talked to people and listened to reviews of it who I, I trust, and they got shape-shifted and stuff in there, too. The only movie it could be is Captain Marvel, especially with the time frames that were coming out and how both they both had aliens that shape-shifted and stuff, and mm-hmm. the entire third act had to be reworked to be taken out of space, and they put it on on the ground. And like I said, from what I hear, some really cool stuff happened, but it was in a train. So, which doesn't make sense for the Dark Phoenix. It's interesting you know what I mean? these things you guys are talking about because a lot of this stuff is like inside stuff, right? So uh, one of the things we've been talking about on the show recently is the idea of like the majority of the audience, right, doesn't necessarily know these things, right? The average mm-hmm. moviegoer has no idea that there were reshoots in this movie. They have no idea that... They they may not even really know much about the connecting the dots anyway of the Fox merger and all of that stuff, right? And... And they, mm-hmm. they probably don't know, uh, you know, a lot of that type of insidey type stuff. So the box office from into this movie, I think, has to come down to a couple of things. One, the fact that Apocalypse was not just a poorly Absolutely. received film, but also a forgettable film. Like, yeah. I don't even remember that movie. Like, I don't remember Me what either. happened <laughs> in it. I don't remember, like, how it left off. 
you know, I don't remember, and I'm into this stuff, and I don't yeah. remember that movie. So I own it, and I don't know. Yeah, and that's one of those things. Like we talked about when we were analyzing the film, I think on last week's episode about the potential flaws of this, and the Dark Phoenix, as classic a story as it is, it's something that needs to be built, and you need to be invested in oh, it. And sure. the fact that this character was introduced, this version anyway of Jean Grey was introduced in a movie that nobody wants to remember. <laughs> doesn't really inspire you to want to run out to the theater uh, for any reason to go see the the follow-up to it. And I just think, I have to think that Apocalypse has more to... Now, maybe it didn't draw in as much of the hardcore audience as you would think because people like us maybe wrote it off because of the fact that it's a quote-unquote lame duck movie and we know all of the drama that went on behind it and we know that you know people said the early word of mouth was that this was apocalypse bad things like that so you know maybe people like us stayed away which is why the number usually when the number's low like this it's because the hardcores show up but Mm -hmm. the mainstream doesn't this might kind of be the reverse like maybe the hardcores were the ones who didn't show up to this and maybe that 33 million dollars or whatever was sort of some mainstream audiences that just know the x-men and wanted to kind of see an x-men movie well can i can i put it like this like look at look at you guys people that are listening to you guys right now and listening to us talk they know the inside baseball because we tell them or you guys Mm -hmm. tell them it and look at some of these other shows that have a lot of followers and can get a lot of downloads. So I would say, now granted, it's still small, but I would say there's a lot more people that know how the sausage is made than what I think we're giving them credit for. And I think everybody, not everybody, but most people nowadays has a friend who's like you or me. And if they don't know how it goes on, they go, hey, look at this movie's come out. And we go, oh, pfft. You hear about all the terrible stuff behind the scenes. You know, I right. think people are a little more hip than not. Now, granted, not everybody. Now, granted, you know, like, not everybody, but I think there's a little more people that are hip to it who can at least pass the word on to go, this is going to be a disaster. And you you trust your friend who knows this stuff about superhero movies. Go, well, I'm not going to go see that. He says it's a disaster. I'm, I'm yeah. not taking my kids yep. to a disaster. You know, Uncle, Uncle no, Bill asked me, what do I want to see this movie? Ah, my, my buddy who knows this stuff, he says it's a disaster. I'd wait till it comes out on home on think, cable HBO. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really, really good point. I mean, I think one of the things is – in the ways that the companies are kind of playing things close to the vest, right? So as I mentioned, there was a lot of starts and stops with the productions film. You know, obviously reshoots are built into budgets. They let that that sort of news hook cycle out of control, and I think fans pick up on it. When the marketing rolls out and it says, you know, the first trailer drops and it says it's going to come out in February, and then a day later they're pushing it to – you know, to June, that confuses the hell out of fans. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, if we want to compare this to something else, like when Rogue One was being completely reshot, like what, 75% of it, mm-hmm. the studio played that card very, very close to the vest. They got everybody on board. They were all speaking, they were speaking the same narrative. Oh, we're just doing some fine tweaks. And only later, like maybe two weeks after the film was killing me in the box office, did you start to hear like things getting confirmed that I think at that point were only rumors and only a few, you know, maybe a number of like the critics and the sort of the hardcore movie entertainment guys had those they had a bit of that news that they were so slowly leaking out to their audiences. So, you know, I think I think it was Fox just not playing like a good game here. They just kind of let things fall apart. Yep. Um, you know, the Disney Fox merger cannibalized on any you know goodwill for this franchise i think honestly because i think people got distracted and said i mean i i'm definitely one of those it's like i'm coming out of the mcu we're 22 films deep most of these films for me are like knocking them out of the park i can't wait to see the x-men being brought into this universe now i'm already done with everything that's happened because i've got that nasty taste of apocalypse on my tongue so i'm like let's wipe the slate let's start fresh I could care less about Dark Phoenix. And we mentioned something last week. We talked a little bit about this. Chris and I um, was about just the setup. Like if they were going to use these characters, you know, in the next film, um, they didn't do a very, very good job at setting them up or getting us to even care about Gene and Scott and all of these new characters that are supposed to carry the torch after, you know, Wolverine hung up his claws um, and they took the focus off of the people that matter, the people that we were invested in, in this sort of new refreshed version of the X-Men. And that was, that was, uh, Charles and, um, Charles and Magneto. So, 
you know, I think I think the 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 writing was on the wall yeah. for this one, unfortunately. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up Rogue One though because, you know, just to to close out this piece here on Dark Phoenix, Rogue One is a there are a couple of lessons <clears throat> you could learn from that movie, right? One of them is from a creative side how you can not only do extensive research um reshoots but literally change the director <laughs> midstream and uh and still have a really good film come out mm-hmm. of it if you tell a cohesive story and have characters that people care about. But the other lesson is that was you know, as we've said many times on the show before, a marketing masterwork, mm-hmm. how they marketed Rogue One and with the Vader emphasis on Vader and all that stuff. And this ex, this Dark Phoenix film was didn't learn any of those lessons because obviously it doesn't seem like it was a creative success with all the reshoots. And also this was just not really well marketed at all. No, it no. didn't get me excited for it. It didn't really give you a good idea of exactly how important this story is. And and like you just pointed out, you know, we became invested in you know James McAvoy as Professor X and um, uh, uh, Magneto. Yes, Michael Fassbender. Thank you as Magneto. And these are the characters we got invested in. And like Sophie Turner's on the poster. And nothing against right. Sophie Turner. And she's a star and she's a good actress. But like. I don't know that's going to get anybody to run out to to the movies because, you know, who is that character? Game of Thrones. I think they were using her face. Not even Jean Grey, just her face. Yeah, I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. And that just Mm -hmm. hasn't worked out. So what also didn't work out this week, uh, and we we mentioned the possibility of this last week, um, was that Godzilla King of the Monsters took a 67% uh, dip. Uh, and if you can call it just a dip, a, a free fall of 67% in its second weekend, um, showing that this movie, like Godzilla 2014, just doesn't have the legs uh, and that it was going to be front loaded. But it did not have the benefit of the gigantic opening weekend that mm-hmm. Godzilla 2014 had. So on a $170 million budget, um, this movie right now is sitting at like $296 million worldwide and falling fast. Man, it's going to be interesting because this um, this monster verse. I mean, as much as we, I think we all agree that we enjoyed Kong Skull Island more than we thought. That wasn't a huge box office success. It was a, a modest hit. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I know Godzilla so, versus Kong is coming out. Was it next year or the year after? Man, this this series is not setting the world on fire. No pun is, is, next year. Is yeah. that movie already in production? Yeah, it's already filmed. Wrap. I think filmed, it's, I think it's, it's done. Yeah. yeah, I think it's done shooting. Now they got to do their the post production. You know, like yeah, yeah. yeah, stuff. So that might That's... be the end of this uh, monsterverse as we know it. Because I mean, at some point, when you're spending the money that it, that obviously you have to spend to make these, you know, special effects driven films, I don't see the return on the investment here, and I don't see it getting better. I mean, maybe Godzilla versus Kong has is a novelty to it, and it'll get people out there. But I don't know. I, I think it, I mean maybe because that does you know that's two names. Sure. I, I, I think that might. Not, I don't know if it's going to set it on fire, but I think it'll definitely be above what what this you know new yeah. Godzilla. Came out. By the way, I heard the new Godzilla for what it's worth. I heard it's good from people that I trust, and that it's beautiful nonetheless. Like it yeah. is just beautiful action of fighting i'm actually excited to see it i, I mean Me obviously too. i'm a fan of this genre and we, we you know last week we talked about how you know um i don't know maybe kaiju just is, doesn't seem to be connecting with like the main you know, modern audiences uh, we grew i grew I like up it. on this stuff um you know so it, this is right in my wheelhouse but um and that ties in i think to the other question that ron uh brought up to us was about the summer box office season so far um, it seems somewhat underwhelming. I mean, unless you're going to include Endgame as well, part of the summer to. season, which I guess you have yeah. to, technically. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, so far, nothing's really grabbed me. Uh, I mean, Godzilla, as much as I want to see it, I, I didn't feel the need to run out to the theaters to see it. Dark Phoenix, I can't even say as much as I wanted to see it. I just, I'll eventually <laughs> see it, but I didn't want to run out to the box office for that. Aladdin's not my thing. Um, I, I don't right. know, man. There, there really hasn't been much so far that I've been excited about, and, and the box office overall, aside from Endgame, doesn't really seem like it's um, it's really doing doing anything special so far. 
Um, yeah. I mean, it is a, a Disney dominated summer. Um, you know, I right. think what the Lion King is rolling out soon. And you Spider-Man know, that, Far From Home comes out in July, I mean, which yeah, I am excited so, about. Yeah. So we've got, I mean, th- those, those films, but, um, I don't, I think it, obviously we didn't, I didn't see Aladdin either, but I mean, that's probably the bigger shocker to me because I thought, oh God, you know, the CGI is, is so looks like crap. And <laughs> why would you see a movie that, you know, it's pretty much just a direct rip from the animated version version. And I always forget because, you know, I'm putting myself here as an older, you know, TV movie watcher or whatever that I've seen it, but kids these days haven't, you know, that they don't like, when we talked a little bit about this on previous episodes. I don't think people have access to the Disney vault like they did back in the day where like you'd have that thing on VHS and you'd have your own collection and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I went to go look for Aladdin to show my daughter and it wasn't available on digital. Hmm. Um, and the, you know, Disney is slowly pulling things off. Su- not surprising. Um, off of, um, you know, digital streaming, um, like on Apple TV and stuff like that. So obviously they're, they're building up their, their library of content, which they'll make all available on Disney plus, but it's a really smart move and it gets people, you know, sort of, you know, Oh, we let, you know, we want to watch the, the animated version. Oh, it's not there. So we might as well go see this thing. Cause it's live action, blah, blah, blah. And all of that magic comes to life in yeah. a new and exciting way. So it's smart. Um, and I think I think it'll continue to make money, and obviously the trend is going to continue with many of the other films that they've got, you know, lined up. The only one that I'm kind of freaked out about if they ever do it is a Pinocchio film. Like I don't want to see that. <laughs> Quick question: Do you think Do you think they might still do a release from the vault on the digital service, where like maybe Aladdin's on there for three to six months, or maybe a year, and then they pull it off for? Three, four, five years. You think we'll still do something like that? I don't. Um, I mean, I don't, maybe, and you know, and then put it back for sale digitally on on their off theaters. You know, maybe, you yeah, you there? could do that. You could yeah, like remastered sure. versions or something. Yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah I, totally. I mean, I'm just, I'm just. I don't know. I just hit me when you were saying that because I, I remember the vault stuff because every time my aunt. She used to have the big white pearl cases of the VHS, yeah. you know what I mean? Just the wall of them. And whenever one was released from the vault, she we yep, went to get run out and go get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, either way, the the movie, aside from Spider-Man Far From Home, which I am excited about, the the movie that by far I'm looking the most forward to that can't come out fast enough for me is um, Hobbs and Shaw. Really? I cannot wait for that movie. <laughs> I have not been able to wait for this movie since the damn thing was announced. I, this is, I am a sucker for mindless, explosive oh, summer entertainment. And I love State Jason Statham. I've always been a big fan of his, and his chemistry with The Rock in the Fast and Furious movie so far has been has been really good. And I love the trailer for this. This looks like everything I want it to be. It looks over the top in a even beyond like the Fast and the Furious kind of way. Plus Idris Elba as a genetically enhanced supervillain. I mean, come on, man! Mm-hmm. I cannot mm-hmm. wait for this movie. Uh, I want it to be loud and funny and just. Just everything I want, you know, like for me, this is the type of summer movie that I like would go see like as a kid, like something loud and funny and just entertaining. Yeah. So uh, uh, like I said, aside from Spider-Man Far From Home, that is by far the movie that I'm looking the most forward to. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. It does look better than it has any right to be by the trailer. Anyway. Oh, the trailer makes it look, I mean, it well, looks better than I could have imagined. And David Leach directed it. I mean, who directed Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2 and was one of the co-directors of John Wick. So, it, you know, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty mm-hmm. good pedigree right there. So, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. When, when, when does it come out? Is August, it like I August? believe. Yeah. August, yeah. Yeah. All right. So so, next, and it's a perfect time list. for it to come out because, you know, not a ton of stuff's out at that point. And, I'll be yeah. ready for that. I'll be definitely ready for that. Um, speaking of ready, so last week we uh, were all ready to get excited about Swamp Thing, <sighs> which we watched the first episode for, and we loved it, and we were excited for the show. And literally the day after our episode dropped, or In maybe it was even the fashion, day the episode dropped, the they canceled the damn show yeah. uh, after the first episode aired. And we're still going to get the remainder of the 
the 10 episodes that aired and I did watch the second episode and I liked it as well. Me a too. Lot. Nah, um, and unf- so, but this is a bigger story, right? Than just the cancellation of one show. This thing has grown uh, and it's starting to take on a life of its own. So we're already hearing now that, well, Doom Patrol hasn't been renewed and maybe it won't. And now you're starting to, you heard rumblings about, well, you know, they don't, they're not happy with the creative direction of this show and that show. And that's why they're getting canceled. But it seems like the bigger story here is that AT&T and Warner Media are preparing their own streaming service to sort of go against Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And it looks like having a niche, to Disney. an alternative, right, to Disney Plus. And it looks like having a niche product like DC Universe um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're going to essentially be competing against yourself, right? right. So if you're going to start your own themselves. streaming service, and it's going to be a massive one like Disney Plus, you would want to pull in a lot of that content, right? Your Superman stuff, your Batman stuff, all of your animated stuff. Uh, so it seems like there's a much bigger story here. And I know, you know, the three of us were actually talking about this on Twitter. Uh, and I don't remember who it was that mentioned the idea of maybe they're going to create this mo- this massive streaming service that's going to also incorporate HBO and Cinemax for like 16 or $17 a month. And <laughs> yep. I was like, where do I sign up? Because if you can get, if you're going to give me your, your like your, the majority of your library, your, your Warner Brothers library, including a lot of the stuff that's on DC Universe right now, which I, I love DC Universe, plus some original content, regardless of mm-hmm. what that original content is, and HBO and Cinemax for sixteen mm-hmm. seventy, you know, now we're cooking, <laughs> now we're talking, yeah. man, and I, I would be all over that and Disney. Give me that and Disney Plus, and I don't know that I'm going to need to subscribe to anything else at that point. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny because so when we were talking about this, I was like, man, that's a lot of money. Um, as I thought about it a bit more, it's more. Um, I mean, we got to think about the demographic, right? This is. And this is – I'm going to take the DC stuff aside, but even the DC Universe stuff is starting to skew more adultish. This is a whole niche product for the – I'd say like the adult in the family, right? Like the adult male, so to speak. I'm just – and I'm being sort of of stereotypical here, but when you think about Disney Plus, um, they're hitting – and it was funny because I did read some stats about this, but they're hitting two very core – demographics and it's like i think it's like the 18 to 24 year old um and the 24 to 35 30 yeah i think it was like the 18 the 18 to 30 i'm sorry the 24 to 35 year old demographic with families so they're hitting like this massive pool of people but they're skewing obviously more in the family category i'm really interested to hear and see what this warner media streaming service thing will look like because it feels more adult themed and when you get when you think about all of the content that lives on HBO Go now right so you're you you the special series like the game of thrones and big little lies and all of that stuff then you marry that with you know the DC universe stuff you kind of hitting some of that fanboy stuff and as i said before a lot of it seems to be a bit more adult driven or adult, you know they're really chanting because of all the cursing and rated r stuff um they're going to have a sweet product on their hands. I mean, you know, Cinemax and all that good stuff. Um, I think I think it's going to be uh, – the, the landscape – this streaming landscape is going to be, um, I don't know, exciting but uh, expensive in general because I'm going to have to dip into all of these different services to get all of the content in one place, you know. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you can, although the one thing I've always said to people when they're like, oh, it's going to get so expensive with all these a la carte services, and it's like, yes, but think of it in terms of flexibility. You're not locked into this stuff. You can subscribe to this stuff, like, for one month, take in all the content you need, and then once you're good to go for a little while, you don't have to, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to subscribe right away. Now, if they give you, like, a an annual discount or whatever, then that might be worth it. But it probably isn't going to be as expensive as you think. And eventually, the cream is going to rise to the top. And, you know, 
all of these services are not going to eventually exist all at the same time. Like eventually certain things are going to fall off and then other things are going to thrive. And so I don't really think it's going to be as, as much as you think. And I also think that as these streaming services become more and more prevalent, the need for like live, like linear television is just going to get further and further like away. And, and eventually like you're just going to be paying for streaming services and, and on demand is just going to be the way people watch stuff. Unless you want to watch the news or live sports. That's going to be the only roll out their own TV channels on their streaming service where you can watch those live. Sure. Which is also very possible. Well, I mean, you got, you got ESPN plus, right? So that takes care of some of that, but then you've got your other sports networks like them will be all that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. So um, we'll see uh, what they do with um, this, you know, with DC Universe. I mean, you know, in theory, if Disney had started, say, a, a Star Wars streaming service, right, which Aaron would have been all over. Uh, <laughs> if Disney had started a Star Wars, and then they came up with the idea of Disney Plus, like, would they probably, they probably would not have kept the standalone Star Wars streaming no. service, right? They would, because why would you? So but it, I think that's why things are, I think that's why things are whole, or you have, you know, it hasn't been renewed. And stuff. I think that's what they're doing is figuring out exactly how they're going to do it and, and roll that in. Or if they're going to keep the, uh, the DC app is like, maybe just strictly you can get your online comics there or yeah. like, you know, yeah. just little news or something. And they take, like you said, your, your dark Knight movies and, you know, your original Batman movies and put them over there. Maybe, I mean, if they were smart, they got a they got kids WB too. You could put all the tiny tunes that they own sure. back in the kids WB days and all that stuff, and you could have a younger audience. You can put your Justice Leagues on there to both, you know what I mean, and and your Batman the animated series. They they, they could do it, but I think that's what I think that's what the holdup is, and why now I think creative I think creative differences is what got Swamp Thing canceled because they were going too dark and horror, and they they wanted something different, but that's just not the way it was. And I'm and that what's terrible is like it's so far as they're their most acclaimed you know everybody's loving it yeah. everybody and now it's our you know two episodes in i loved it and you know we already know it's dead at 10 yeah yeah it's frustrating yeah. when you hear like something like that with like oh it's creative differences they they thought it was too horror mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like well why what do you think make you're gonna a get with swamp sw- yeah why make a swamp Ooh. thing show and i that type of stuff drives me nuts it's and James, yeah. James Wong, they let him put his production because they yes. know what he does like yes. hey, James Wong's yeah. horror. like why would they back they put all the right pieces in place yep. and then they and then once they got exactly what they were starting to cook they yes. went oh, well that's not what i wanted right what, the, what was you doing right, right. exactly but, but i think you know during the time of its um production towards the end of it and at least in terms of its continuation so like the three executives that were super instrumental in sort of getting dcu and quite frankly something up and off the ground are no longer with the company right because they just did that rework like what last month so i'm sure that had a factor uh in the longevity of of the franchise but also you know, the longevity of the DCU or I'm sorry, DC universe right. um, streaming service. So, you know, I think that obviously, you know, they're in the business of making money and they have to consolidate things. And while yes, um, you know, the, the DC universe streaming service in some ways is a pseudo competitor to some of the things that, you know, like the Amazons and the Netflix of the world, it's you it won't stack up against Disney Plus. Now, they need something, you know. They like this Warner streaming service, whatever it's called, is going to need elements of the DC universe involved in its library. I think to stay relevant and to pull in, a, you know, to pull in some of those other audiences. So, I'm not sure. To create new content with the with those characters, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's the thing. So you look at like Apple. Apple's Apple's throwing itself into the arena, you know, with its own. I forgot what it's called. Maybe it's Apple TV Plus as well. <laughs> um, but um, and they're they're creating original content. They're using all of these like you know A list directors to to do these series. So everyone's in the business of creating their own content, and that's great. Um, but you know, in terms of really turning turning heads they're going to need some some really cool stuff and i think the dc universe has it you know i think after watching swamp thing i I was kind of blown away by it i don't know what they're going to do with um 
with any of these characters if and when it gets folded into a larger streaming service. Like, I don't know. The same thing can be said about, you know, characters like The Punisher or characters like Daredevil and Iron Fist if they're going to get folded into something else on Disney+. Plus. So a lot of it feels reminiscent to what just happened with the whole Netflix yes. um, series. Yep. Even though you can say that while Marvel TV is separate from Marvel Studios and Marvel Studios is going to be handling the original content marvel actually has fox the searchlight to put shit out that's that's uh yeah. that's more adult content now they have a different brand that people i mean we know that it is but like you we're talking about the general audience, they're not going to know they have a brand to put sure. it something darker fox searchlight it doesn't have to say you could say an affiliate of disney company yeah. who reads all that they're gonna see fox searchlight yeah but even with that i mean with marvel studios being the provider of the or the the creator of the content for disney plus you know, it doesn't seem like Marvel TV is really even going to be a thing for the most part anymore, but uh, it is similar. You would have to believe, and I will always believe, that one of the biggest reasons why those shows started to get rapidly canceled, one right after the other, was it wasn't a coincidence that those cancellations all came right on the heels of the announcement of Disney+. And you can't convince me that that had nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. And that it was about, oh, well, you know, Marvel... no. Forget it. It has to do with two things. One, Netflix probably annoyed at the fact that they lost all of that content. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, why are we going to be in bed with Marvel if they're taking all of their other content away from us and putting it on a competing, a competing site or app? Mm-hmm. And it also probably had to do with the fact that Marvel's got their own thing going now and they're doing their own original content and they don't want to confuse the marketplace, you know? And... and I get all of that. So I, I understand if that's what Warner is go, dealing with right now. But here's the thing. This this streaming service is still in its planning stages, right? It seems like. And Swamp Thing had its 10 episodes done, right? It was supposed to be 13. It got cut down to 10, which is never a good sign. But it had its 10 episodes done. They had 10 weeks. They had, like, essentially two months, right? Two, two and a half months to figure this thing out. Did they have to cancel this after the first episode? Like, were they that down that, on this show that they had to consider? Yeah, considering no, yeah, how it's actually like, like I think Nathan just said it, like it's actually getting critical acclaim, which is something that they've struggled with. Mm-hmm. And you're getting it, and you're getting people talking about it, and you're, it was actually generating hype, and people are legit upset over this cancellation for a show that people had one really episode. Like Doom Patrol, they had a hit with Doom Patrol. Yeah. And this one, like you said, the first episode, of this one, everybody went, "Wow, that's great!" Keep yeah. it coming. And, yeah, I, um, and why would so you just do it right away? I, I wonder if this is part of the master plan. Like, I can't help but think. I mean, I say this and then I kind of go back and think about how they've lost how DC in Warner Brothers has totally lost control of their narrative on multiple occasions when it comes to some of their blockbuster movies. But, you know, what if people aren't in control anymore, though? I know. But so but here's the thing. So um, I wonder if this is all part of the plan. So you get they get people really, really pissed off that Swamp Thing is canceled. Right. Now your eye is off the ball. You're not thinking about DC Universe anymore. You're thinking about, like, I love that character. That show was amazing. And they say, guess what? We've, we're going to make in two months down the road, we're making an announcement. We're, gonna, we're announcing our new streaming service and Swamp Thing and all of the shows that you love that you thought were canceled are all coming back. Take your eyes and put them over here. Maybe what that's what they're creating. They're creating some, you know, a call to action. For pretty their grand, fans, it's a pretty grand scheme. I think there's probably that a, gonna say. That's, wow, probably that's a better way elaborate. to handle that. Yeah, it sounds great, but I don't. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'd like I'd like to think that huh. the PR and marketing people over at Warner Brothers and this new streaming service have some sort I, of something. <laughs> I think the best thing we can hope for is they want they want HBO to pump out the next Game of Thrones. So they want something to keep people there. Maybe not necessarily the next Game of Thrones, but supposedly. There was some interest from HBO, which Warner owns, or AT&T. All that's connected. And if they were smart and if the fan outrage and the critic you know, claim was that good, they would just put it over to HBO and maybe have to change things up a little bit. Or, you know, I mean, if they get the act, I, I think that's our best case scenario. Let's put it that way for now until they figure out exactly how they're going to roll all that in. They just put it underneath the HBO banner. And then you can make it as dark as you want. You can you can turn it up to 11 then. We can sure. Go full bore. 
Yeah, I'd like a. Uh, I I would love to have like a dark Swamp Thing show like that on HBO, like the Me the too. animated Spawn series. That's a, a lost classic. It's that, great. Oh man, that just does not get talked about nearly enough. It's, no, it's been you forgotten. can still watch that on HBO now. Yeah, and it's it's great. Um, but and it was dark. You know, and it's mm-hmm. adult. Uh, granted, it's animation, but still, like, so it's great. yeah, you can you can do that, and and I would love for them to do that. Um, and hopefully, in time, you know, you're going to start to see a little bit more of that synergy, and maybe this streaming service, this Warner streaming service, is the catalyst for that, for maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more synergy now, because you know we've seen it with Disney, right? They've created a lot of synergy with their networks. Um, with ABC and with Disney, and now I'm sure the same thing will happen with, you know, the Fox acquisition. Um, I would love to see that happen now. Like, let's see this AT&T Warner Media thing start to create some synergy now. And let's let's yeah. see HBO and Cinemax and these uh, get involved in some of this superhero stuff. There, there are plenty of DC characters um, that I think are ripe for, for the adult show treatment and we we've talked about it before um and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be on a streaming service it, you know especially yeah. if hbo is going to be part of this streaming service because <laughs> then yeah, you that figure would, that's a big if yeah but yeah, yeah exactly. and that that's the big if here and that's the x factor and, and i guess that's another thing that they're tossing around is you know should we bundle hbo and because i mean there's a big advantage right mm-hmm. that's something that disney doesn't have Right, they don't have the option of bundling an HBO or a cinema. I mean, yes, they they're not going to bundle ABC with Disney Plus. You know, they're not going to bundle. Um, I mean, could they bundle some of like the Fox cables? But why would they? It doesn't really necessarily pay off. But they own like Freeform, though, right? Yeah. Well, they do. Yeah. 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 They own FX too. They own you FX you now. Anarchy and your Mayans. And, yeah. You know, they've had some dark. They've had some more adult stuff. Sure. Yeah. So you could yeah. do that. I mean, you could date, but if they do decide to bundle HBO and Cinemax and say, hey, you know what? I know HBO now, standalone HBO is 15 bucks a month. But if we if we bundle HBO and Cinemax, maybe they just bundle like a, like an on-demand version of both channels, right? Yeah. With it. So it's, it, it's funny you say that about this bundles because as I was reading a story um, – on the Hollywood Reporter, they're talking about the bundles not only just including HBO, but TNT and TBS. Wow. Yeah. Oh, there we go. To give me From that the... TNT Live where I can watch that live. So that opens up a whole other bag of worms. Sure it considering does. What the There's stuff... your AEW. There you go. wrestling on the Warner side. There you go. And, and that's interesting because for now... Uh, they're using uh, Bleacher Report Live, right? For and this is just to tie into AEW. So AEW right now, because that's owned by, you know, Warner or AT whatever. Bleacher Report Live is the app that they used to stream Double or Nothing, and they're going to be doing a free stream of their next show, June 29th, Fighter Fest, uh, from from Florida. Uh, on Bleacher Report Live. So you could watch it on a Roku, you could watch it on your tablet, on your whatever. Uh, and the stream for Double or Nothing was great. It was flawless, which is fine. But if they are going to integrate TNT and stuff like that into this Warner Media app, does that become the new streaming home for AEW and their pay-per-views and the weekly show? And I mean, that's a whole nother thing because now, you know, people who don't have a live streaming service, they may not need it. And this is ultimately that future of television that we've been talking about. I mean, this is what you should be doing. These content providers should be direct marketing this stuff to people. I don't know why it's mm-hmm. taken this long, but that now now you're getting me really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you said, that's just that's just if you're gonna do it. I mean, why not be the first one to do that? Why not have why not have your let's just say, make it even if you want to do it in a tier system. Let's say it's eighteen dollars for standard, but you get seven ten live channels with that and maybe you get to do a partnership to where maybe uh maybe you can split your you know your your big stuff like your espn or your whatever we you know what i'm saying just split some of your stuff where you get some sure. of your big live events for sports but if you get 10 or some nine channels that are live plus like you know you've got your hbo's and your all your vault of classic you know classic series and animation and like you said you you roll in like another tier another tier up could be your dc universe app what if you know like 
eighteen dollars is your standard. You get a couple live tunes, you get a couple little back vault. But if you want to get everything all all in one, it's you know thirty dollars. But it gives you everything. You know what I mean? You got access to on demand and more live channels and just everything around. And you can get cheaper. Maybe you can watch that pay per view or you know their live stream for cheaper just because that's rolled into your bundle. Why not be the first one to do that? And really, people really get to notice you then. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the possibilities with this stuff are endless. It's just a matter of... What are they going to do? Exactly. And will, will they do the right thing? Will they... Will What will the price yeah. points be? Things like that. And, and you know, because they could take this wherever they want. I mean, we just spitballed a whole bunch of ideas, and now we have AEW streaming live on the service and pay-per-views <laughs> and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure these are conversations that are happening in boardrooms as well, I would hope. Uh, um yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, and, and it's great. And and look, Disney Plus, which has not even is not even a thing yet, right? It hasn't debuted November, yet. Yeah, right? has really become a game changer in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. I just think the existence of or the the pending existence of it has really forced people to kind of up their game because of just the sheer power of of what's involved with that streaming service. And I mean, you you know, you're looking at, forget the Disney library for a second and the Marvel library and the star Wars library or the Lucasfilm library. The Fox library. Now you have the Fox library and now they're doing, I mean the original content, I mean live action star Wars movies, (laughs) live action, Marvel studios, I'm sorry, live action star Wars shows. Uh, They're Mm -hmm. bringing the clone wars back live action, um, Marvel studios shows with the characters, not, you know, fringe niche characters are not characters that are grounded. These are characters that were in these movies that have made a gazillion right. dollars. Right. <laughs> you know, that your people are familiar with. Uh, the, they, they got me pumped about Star Wars on a side note. Like, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. pumped about all the Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Coming out of Mandalorian, yeah. the Clone Wars, Man. it's great. Yes, it yeah. is. And it, and I'm sure that that's just the beginning, right? I mean, they just, Oh yeah, I mean you got the Cassian Andor yeah. Yeah. series that's supposed to drop yeah. too. I mean, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot at their fingertips to play with. And the funny thing is, you know, we were talking earlier about very lightly this the split between, you know, Marvel TV and, and um, Marvel Studios. And while, yes, those two are very separate entities, they're still owned by Disney. Right. So I'm, I'm I'm sure that, you know, Disney can pull a trump card and go, hey, you guys need to sort your stuff out because we're all in the business of making money. <laughs> so let's get our act together. You know, I'm just thinking about all of the other bits and pieces that could start to infiltrate Disney Plus, like stuff that I don't watch that I'm sure is fine. You know, like um, Legion, um, you know, the Runaways, Cloak and Dagger, all of those things and and watching those kind of play out um, on their streaming service. So, I mean, time will tell, but I think it's going to be a behemoth. And Chris, to your point, totally a game changer. And I think it's something that uh, I think the other, um, you know, major media companies are having to take notice and and are, you know, looking at their opportunities to to kind of step in the game and and make sure that that uh, Disney doesn't eat up all of the green. Yeah. And I mean, I know Discovery Networks was talking about creating their own standalone, um, like live streaming platform for just with their networks that would be kind of a budget price thing so yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of this type of stuff going on but that's why i think warner needs to be like like the netflix and blow people away you know i mean come out with something brand new that people would just well it would be you know it'd be a form a brand new form of streaming like if you could put live and all their back catalog and just tear it out i think i think that would be smart but like you said who knows what they're gonna really do yeah, I mean, I've, and we don't know the the finances of. I mean, it's easy for us. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, exactly. Here, but I mean, they got a they got around, a large but... checkbook. Don't let them. Don't oh, let them lie to you. It's not going to break do. their bank to do it smart. Yeah, I mean, these are obviously these are huge corporations that we're talking about that have money at their disposal, but um, whether how they budget it and how they they plan on doing exactly. it is uh, that's mm-hmm. up to them, obviously. But yeah, I mean, there's potential to get this thing very, very right, and I mean, it's very possible that. In a year, a couple of years from now, we may forget that DC Universe was a thing, even though it, it may have been sort of one of the things that led to something greater. Um, you know, if we're all watching the Dark Knight trilogy in 4K, you know, on 
the Warner Media Streaming Service or whatever it is uh, while we're getting ready to watch the next AEW pay-per-view on the same service, um, you know, and catching old episodes of Batman the Animated Series. I mean, that's a dream come true. And if, mm-hmm. if all of this leads to that, then great. We'll be all be in a better place, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> November is like on the horizon. So, um, and, and I'm also waiting to see, uh, you know, what, what other stuff they announce Disney plus that is, did I, did I hear something about Willow coming back? I, I, I feel like it did, but I, I no, could be I totally making that up. I think, I, no, go ahead. No point, no pun intended. I think you're just willing that. I think that's one of those things you just want no, so desperately. I, no, no, okay. No, no, no. Ron Howard said that he and uh, he and some guys, they talked about it. They at least had some talks about it, like real discussions. There you go. About like what, like what now I don't think Pin put, was put to paper, and I, but I swear there's interviews out there where he said that they, they talked about it, come up with what a story would look like for a sequel. I just pulled it up. Yeah. I see. just pulled it up. So I was not making it up <laughs> at all. Uh, hold on. If I can just move this thing. Continue to cite. Yes. Okay. We're going to do this right now. Ron Howard in serious discussions for Willow sequel series at Disney Plus. You know what? I Actually, <laughs> now that you mention it, I do remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't register much with me because it's. Like the Dark Crystal, I was not a big uh, Willow guy, but uh, the Dark Crystal series looks bomb. Yes, it does. Yeah, I can't very wait for that. for that. Yes, it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, Aaron's I don't gonna need to sit stop because, like I said last episode, I'll do. I can do a whole yeah. episode on Dark Crystal. Aaron's gonna oh, sit dude, me down and watch movie. the Dark Crystal. Make me watch the Dark Crystal in 4K. Yes, so. do it and yeah. review it because I'll yeah, do the crap out of that. Dude, we should we should totally do it. Uh, we uh, got to find find a weekend. You come over here. We'll we'll do a session on the Dark Crystal. Um, but uh, going back to Willow real quick. So yeah. So Howard serious discussions, and it's not a reboot. 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 Um, he and uh, Jonathan Kasdan uh, would be uh, writing it, and they would of course get Warwick Davis to come back. Mm-hmm. So. I'm all for that, man. Sure. Bring that. Why not? Bring it back. Listen, I, I, it's for, one of the things that I love about these streaming services and the just the, the possibilities of them are, are endless. And, you know, why wouldn't you want to revisit some of these these types of properties, you know, that, that have a fan following? And, you know, they maybe don't have a following enough to warrant like a big budget, you know, movie sequel, but it's perfect for a streaming service like that. Cause the people that are subscribing to those services, you would assume are, you know, hardcores that would yeah. want to see something like that. Right. They're, they're looking for niche product. So the beautiful thing about, you know, kind of exploring these things in series format, right. Is they, the original movies, and this also goes for the dark crystal. They created a universe Right. They created like a whole separate like world where, you know, you become invested in these characters. You kind of understand the dynamics of the world that they live in and you become invested in all of that. And when you do something that can either flash forward or flash back like the Dark Crystal, things will start to feel very familiar to you because you've already been immersed in everything that, you know, the first movie or the first sort of piece of content has you know, introduce you to. So stepping back into it just feels familiar. It feels good. You know, I think that's what, what the whole idea of nostalgia, that's the whole thing that just gets me jazzed about the dark crystal. Again, going back to just the care and love that was taken and put back into, you know, the puppetry and recreating the world that, you know, Jim Henson introduced so many years ago. I think that's the same thing with Willow. You know, you're going to be dealing with this like race of people and their place in the world and this idea of magic. It's the whole thing that lets the whole reason why like the Lord of the Rings works so well. And if they were to do like, you know, a Cimmerillion story, I'd be all over it because I'm Lord familiar. Of Amazon's with... doing a Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, see, like I'd jump right into it. There go. It's going to be the second age of man. They're already in vast production on it. And they got like a five season commitment. I am excited because if they do it anywhere, anywhere as good as the movies, I'm I'm there for that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the thing that works so well with 
Star Wars. It's worked. What's worked so well with the MCU is that we're they're creating, you know, th- these worlds that have all of these characters, and we are visiting them in these movies or these series, and we're going, we're seeing that world through their perspective, through their lens, and that's what makes it so exciting. And you know, when I think that's probably what all the rage is about when you're like, oh, yeah, we're just obviously there's lots of money to be had in crafting those universes. But I think it's it's the way that you can tell stories in that world. And that, that's a lot of fun to play. In, so, yeah, I'm, I'm off my soapbox. OK, <laughs> there you go. That's all I got to say about that. All right. So uh, I guess we could wrap it up. Uh, yeah. For this week. Uh, Nathan, thanks again for uh, for joining us for this discussion. Uh, of course, you're always welcome on. Why don't you uh, plug the podcast here before you go? Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I'm uh, we are the Super Civil Service Podcast. It's at SCS Pod One is our Twitter handle, and we got an email that I honestly can't remember. I'm sorry, I'm a terrible co-host. And uh, you just uh, you can get a hold of me. You can get a hold of me at Wobbly Boots eighty five and ask the questions and. You just listen to the podcast. We just shoot the shoot the stuff on anything, really, just any topic in the geek world. We just we just go through it and give our give our honest and unfiltered opinions on it. All right. So uh, we also will plug again some of our Thanks. stuff. Of course, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have a Facebook page now. Uh, you can like us at uh, the Fanboy Garage there on Facebook. Of course. Instagram and Twitter at the Fanboy Garage as well, and you can find me on Twitter at Real C Almighty, and you can find me on Twitter as well at Starting Sith. Don't forget to join the groups, uh, as we mentioned on Facebook, like our photos on Instagram, but most importantly, participate in the conversation, keep things going. If there's things that we said that you like, disagree with, have a different perspective. Drop them on us. We're always more than willing to get and involve ourselves in conversation and keep those things rolling. And uh, please, please, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to unpack your love. Unpack your love. (laughs) Bye. I love that. We're going to make t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. All righty. Let's close the door.